Hello, everybody, and welcome to an early holiday edition of the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, Elgin Harrell, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, before we get started, I just wanted to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Thank you so much. Same to you and yours, and same to all the listeners or watchers of the stream. We hope that you have wonderful holiday seasons and that is one of the reasons we're doing an early show is That's we true. all have uh, commitments that we want to get to so yeah let's get it going yeah um so you know before we jump into the it's dallas week it doesn't really feel like a dallas week like anybody with a brain this week knew jalen hurts wasn't gonna play um it was smart to hold him out but we'll jump into that but before that i want to talk about the pro bowl rosters got announced this week the Eagles led the league with eight players on the Pro Bowl roster. And if you count the um, alternates, all five starting offensive linemen are on the Pro Bowl roster. And the, the eight that actually got elected, like we're not talking about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who should have been there, TJ Edwards, who should have probably could have been there, Javon Hargrave, who should have been there, Dallas Goddard, if he didn't get he could have been there. So the Eagles, in theory, could have 12 Pro Bowlers. Um, you just – you got to give credit to Howie Roseman and, and then give credit to the coaching staff. They have this team playing high and the rest of the league notices it. Absolutely. I mean, there were some pretty bad uh, snubs, but at the end of the day, um, you can't expect everyone to be on there. And I know that people are going to pick apart the rosters and act like it's a big deal. But at the end of the day, I think the Pro Bowl means a lot less than it used to. But it means a bit more to the players because they get to make they get bonused on that and stuff. And that video for the, the Washington release, as much as we hate Washington, was really cool to see him announcing to the players or calling them into the office and, and letting them know. Exactly. Like, it's really good to see the passion there and how much pride they take in being able to get on these rosters, even if the game means nothing to us. And as Jason says, Bradbury got snubbed. He also got snubbed. So, and if you think about it, we're talking about, we have the Eagles Cowboys on tomorrow. 17 of the 22 starters, or seven, yeah, 17, they're probably not starters, 17 um, players that got announced are from the Eagles and Cowboys. So that, that's just crazy, just the amount of respect that, you know, the Eagles especially, but, but I guess the Cowboys too, get from the, the other coaches and players around the league. Before we continue, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHurl54. Follow The Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at The Painted Lines. And follow Edge of Philly Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. And as always, if you're listening live with us, let us know your thoughts on the upcoming game, the Eagles and the Cowboys, a game that the NFL was hoping meant something because it was it was the, the marquee matchup of week um, 16 of, of Christmas weekend. And it, the, the luster kind of got taken out of it with Dallas losing to Jacksonville last week. And now with J Jalen Hurts not playing, while the game, you know, for seeding purposes anyway for the Eagles – does mean something. It really doesn't. All they have to do is win one of three. And I, I still think 
and this is something we discussed on Tuesday, Connor, that the game against the Saints means more than this game because we have the Saints first round pick. If I had to pick one of these games to win, as much as I hate Dallas and would would love to beat Dallas, I'd rather have a top five first round pick. So I, I'd rather beat the Saints. I, I agree. I think at the end of the day, we know we should. We're a team who's lost one game all season. We really should and hope and anticipate that we're going to get that win at some point, at least one more win, even if we lose two or something. But even then, losing two seems really unlikely with the team that's out there with Gardner Minshew or with Jalen Hurts. I do think people are overutilizing Gardner's Gardner, uh, Minshew's last start as a like the one with our COVID team yeah the one with the COVID team against the New York Jets and everything and not the same Jets as what the as the Jets this season I get it their quarterback situation is still a complete mess they screwed up the Zach Wilson pick he's clearly done they pulled him for like their fourth string quarterback last night so at the end of the day but this is a far better team than the New York Jets of last season even the New York Jets of this season are a far better team than the New York Jets of last season so I think too many people are putting too much stock into that game and what they were able to do in that game and I think things could look very different this week and Dallas I mean they for some reason Dallas always has this monkey on their shoulder about against Philadelphia which we do as well but they always seem to think like this is a Super Bowl beating Philadelphia playing Philadelphia beating Philadelphia is like their Super Bowl two times a year and it's just really so so I mean Dallas could come out with a lot going for them and we might not get so much going for us who knows it's very tough to say we do have some key players back, like you noted, but we are without Jalen Hurts. We're likely without Zach Pascal. So think there's there are some things we we gain some to lose some, and we also lost the most important player in Jalen Hurts. I don't care what anybody says about you can plug anyone to the into this offense, like Chris Sims said, you can plug anyone in and they're gonna do fine. I don't care about the people who are like, look at Minshew's last start. I'm not bought into let's just brush the Cowboys game off like it's going to be nothing like a lot of fans seem to be and some of the comments even in your football Friday post on the Kelly Green Hour Twitter feed shows a very and I mean we are 13 and 1 so I get it but a very very overconfident seemingly fan base so the one thing I I, um, was going to say and you kind of touched base on it we're going to see Chris Sim says you can throw anybody in there and the Eagles would still be as good as they are um, Michael Parsons last week, you know, was asking or was saying, is it the team or the system? Well, there are things that Jalen Hurts do that Gardner Minshew can't do. He can't move the way Jalen does. As good as the offensive line is, and as I, as I mentioned before, all five are either in or got, got selected to Pro Bowl or alternates. He, he, you know, when if somebody gets beat, he's able to use his athletic ability to be able to move around um, and, and to run around. I don't know if Gardner Minshew is going to be able to do that. And we're definitely going to find out if he is able to do that because you know we know that the pass rush that Dallas has and you know the Eagles line is good, but they're not they're not hundred percent they're not gonna win every battle hundred percent of the time. Dallas is bound to win a battle here and there. We're gonna see if Gardner Minshew is able to move around or get, get rid of the ball quickly the way uh you know and he's not, I'm not saying he's gonna do the same things that Jalen did or does, but we're gonna see if he's able to to not, you know get sacked seven times because he's not able to move around in the pocket. 
Absolutely. I think it's a game changer when you have a quarterback as mobile as Jalen Hurts, because even when the pocket breaks down and it equates to maybe a pressure or it equates to a hurry, you end up seeing Jalen Hurts make something of nothing. And I'm not necessarily convinced that Gardner Minshew can do that. And this isn't meant to just put Gardner Minshew down or be this negative show about Gardner Minshew. I just think that there's people, it feels like there's people who believe this is like a one score game or like we're going to win by two scores and like this game isn't even going to be close and like the Dallas Cowboys aren't a competitive team. But I think the Dallas Cowboys are extremely competitive. I think last week kind of has a sour taste in people's mouth. Jason says, don't sleep on Minshew, guys. I'm not sleeping on Minshew. I'm just saying we haven't seen him in a very, in quite a while beyond going out there with the backups and not doing a whole lot with the backups or just running the clock down. So we don't know what a full four quarters of Gardner Minshew looks like, uh, barring, you know, the preseason, which preseason is whatever. We don't even care about that. Like, I wouldn't take those games, stock into those games. Like, I'm going to take stock into this game and four quarters of Gardner Minshew in this game. But... Ultimately, I just think like just like don't sleep on Minshew. I'm saying don't sleep on the Cowboys. And I we hate the Cowboys. We dislike the Arlington Cowboys more than anybody and more than any other Philadelphia Eagles show. But at the end of the day, this is a very high octane offense, a very good offense, a very an offense that can work just like us through the past through tight ends, through wide receivers, through running backs, through a semi-mobile quarterback. Dak Prescott definitely not like Jalen Hurts, but I trust Dak to run more than Gardner Minshew. So I think at the end of the day, it'll be tough. It'll be tough to say how things go. I mean, at this point, since we do have predictions coming up in about half an hour, I'm really torn on which way to go in this game. I think it's going to be a actually a fairly close game which probably isn't a good thing for the dallas cowboys if we can say it's a close game and it's our backup after we destroyed them when cooper rush their backup played earlier in the season well we didn't really destroy i guess the, the game wasn't as close as the score score indicated especially after lane johnson went out and that's when michael parsons actually started doing something because if lane johnson was in that entire game maybe it would have been a blow up the way that we thought it was going um yeah you know so the the interesting thing is going to be look. I am not talking about Gardner Minshew can play. I went to the Jets game last year that he started in, and again it was the Jets from last year, um, and the Jets from last year weren't good. But like Dallas Goddard couldn't be covered by the safety for the Jets. That Dallas has even though Leighton Van Der Esch isn't playing, they they have a, probably a better scheme than the Jets had last year, and and probably better and better athletes on their defense. We'll see. And this will be Dallas Goddard's first game back. We know that that Minshew and Goddard have a nice rep, uh, rapport together. So that'll be something to, to watch out for. Um, you know, we know Jalen able to get the stretch the field, throw the ball down the field to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Will we see that same game plan? I think this game is more about the coaching staff about Sirianni and Steichen than it is about Minshew. What kind, what kind of game plan are they going to employ? We cannot have the same Jalen hurts game plan for Gardner Minshew. They're two different quarterbacks. Mm. So, you know, maybe we see the traditional five, three, five, seven step dropbacks. We don't see as many RPOs. We see more handing the ball off instead of it being an RPO, handing the ball off from under center type of plays with, with Minshew and Sanders instead of, you know, Hurts back there. He's going to, you know, ride it and decide it to figure out which, you know, what he wants to do. Does he want to give the ball off to Sanders? Does he want to keep it and take it himself? So, you know, we, we talk about how the Eagles are probably top three, top five in the league in rushing. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see a more traditional running game by the Eagles and not that RPO stuff that, that we usually run with Jalen Hurts. 
Yeah, and and I mean, you look like his his Jalen Hurts yards per attempt is eight point two. It's second among all quarterbacks in the league. So there's definitely something to say there that he he really makes an attempt to push the ball down the field. And I think the past couple weeks without Dallas Goddard has been huge. You've seen. Devonta Smith and AJ Brown forced to really fight for that football more than we had seen in prior weeks because they Jalen Hurts hasn't been as able to effectively use the first, you know, the line of, from the line of scrimmage out to 10 yards because that was Dallas Goddard's zone. That's where Dallas Goddard owned, and that's where Dallas Goddard did a lot of his work was making those catches within the first 10 yards and creating a ton of yards after the catch. Um, so I really hope. That you know, so, as that that Dallas Goddard being back is going to really help open up AJ Brown, and is going to uh, and is going to really become more effective at the at and help this offense become more effective altogether, because he was truly missed. I know I don't know about you, LJ, but I think he was really missed. I think that AJ Brown and Devontae Smith looked extremely different and like they had to fight for the ball a lot more than they had to when Dallas Goddard was around. What about you, LJ? Oh, LJ seems to be having a little internet. Oh, are you good now? Am I back? Yep. I think you're good for now. Hey, sorry. I don't know if we got a, Seems like snowmageddon happening outside. The bunch of wind swirls with, with the snow could be affecting my internet a little bit. Um, so I missed, sort of kind of missed what you said. Um, but I, I'll kind of just, you, what were you talking about, the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles? Well, I was, ta- I was talking more about how, how much this offense missed Dallas Goddard and how different it looked, especially for A.J. Brown yeah. and Devontae Smith. They looked a lot more challenged on a lot of plays. Um, which was which wasn't something we had necessarily seen before because it was a lot more open field with Dallas Goddard there because he brings a whole nother element. I mean, he's still, I think, top five in yards after the catch, and he missed five games. I think the biggest thing that we missed when it came to Goddard is the middle of the field. Now you're going to have somebody that can take over the middle of the field, run down the, you know, run right down the middle of the field, and and he he's a tough cover for a linebacker or safety. Um, and if you want to put a corner on them, that means it's going to leave Devontae or AJ, um, you know, open. So now, now it's just another weapon. And, and as I mentioned, the rapport that Minshew and Goddard had last year, they're going to continue. They, they should. I don't see why they shouldn't continue to have it this year. So um, that'll be a fun thing to watch. Um, you know, it, it's also and I and I had mentioned how the offense. It, it's up to Steichen and, and Sirianni to devise a game plan with with Minshew. Now it becomes, do you? Keep it vanilla-ish, and I'm not saying totally vanilla, where you just run two tight end sets and you're going to run simple short patterns. So where you're, because the potential is your first playoff game could be against Dallas, if Dallas beats whoever wins the NFC South. Um, so do they keep it vanilla-ish to an extent, or do they just go all out? Do they just keep it keep it the way they've been doing, but you're inserting Minshew with his type of game plans, and then go from there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to look very different. I, I agree with you. It's going to be on Steichen. It's going to be on Sirianni to really 
tailor this offense like they have in the past to the backup quarterback, tailor this offense to their strengths and the, to the best of their ability to win the game and to come out on top and to limit any chance of making, you know, of turnovers with Minshew. Because one of the biggest things we've seen from a lot of backup quarterbacks or from a lot of quarterbacks any in the NFL this season is that turnovers have been complete killers. Look at, look at last week with Dak Prescott. Those are absolute killers. And I understand that last one is not 100% on Dak Prescott because it was a tip. The ball was tipped off of Noah Brown. And then it got intercepted and taken back from there. But at the end of the day, the interceptable passes or interceptions or turnovers, that turnover game has become more. We've seen it this year. It's been a huge difference maker for us when in prior years we weren't winning that turnover battle at all. So I think it will be huge if we can, A, have that offense tailored to Gardner Minshew, effectively tailored to him, and B, be able to win the turnover battle tomorrow or yeah, what tomorrow. And he only has 12 interceptions thrown. Um, I think it's 12 in his career as a starter. So I, I don't expect him to go out there and, and be a turnover machine. That's the one thing that, I mean, Jalen has done a great job this year limiting turnovers. Um, let's see, he have three interceptions. Did he, throw? he didn't throw them last week, right? He, they had a – they had, oh, he did throw a couple in. So he's one yeah, of the four or five – yeah, I yeah, think so he, I think he has five. I think he had three heading into the game, and then yeah. he had two so, in that Bears game. I mean, only having five through 13, 14 games, you know, that's that's not nothing to sneeze at. Um, so, like, it'll be interesting. Does he get aggressive? Does he throw the ball down the field against, you know, when it's A.J. Brown lined up against Trayvon Diggs? And we know what we know that the ball hawk that Trayvon Diggs is, but he also is somebody that can be beat easily. You do a double move on him, he's he, – He's, he's looking pick first, and then he'll figure it out after that. So if you can get a double move on, on Trayvon Diggs, that can open things up. And then if, if you're able to hit those passes on the outside, that could open up the middle of the field for running the football. And you have an 1,100-yard running back. He better not – his first carry not, better not be in the second quarter with six minutes to go. He better have a carry on that first drive of the game tomorrow because if he doesn't, I'm going to have Matt, another another set of issues when it comes to the game plan by Sykin and Sirianni. I, I couldn't agree more. This, this is definitely a decent running defense, but you have to be able to establish a run game. We saw it last week when we had no run. Well, the only part of running offense was Jalen Hurts, and he came out of it with a sprained shoulder. So that goes to show how effective that was. But when you cannot establish that you can work on the ground and through the air like we did, we have done in prior weeks, the Dallas Cowboys defense will eat us alive. And I hate to say that, but they will definitely eat us alive if we don't establish that we can do things on at all three phases. If we can get another big Boston Scott return, some good Britain Covey returns on special teams, not allow any big returns on special teams, win that turnover battle on defense and establish that like that two-headed monster of a Russian attack and a passing attack on offense. Uh, yes, are we asking for everything to be go working? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, especially when you're working with a running back or when you're working with your backup quarterback, you need as many phases of this working as possible. And one of our strongest phases, like you said, has been the ability for Miles Sanders to go out there and he's having a career year and he's doing an exceptional job. And in a couple games, They've completely phased him out of the game plan for reasons completely unknown. Yeah, now let's jump over to the Eagles side of the, um, on the defensive side of the football. Um, you know, Hassan Reddick got his first first Pro Bowl nod. Darius Slay is in the Pro Bowl. The fact that they arguably one of the best defense, top three, top five defenses in the league only has two 
Pro Bowlers. I mean, we talked about it. Javon Hargraves got snubbed. James Bradbury snubbed. Gardner Johnson snubbed. Uh, TJ Edwards probably snubbed. So it, it stinks to that matter that, like, all those guys didn't. But maybe they can use that as fuel for fire this week. You mentioned it earlier. This Dallas offense is pretty, is, is, can be potent. Um, they, they also have times where they – where Kellen Moore forgets that the best, probably their best aspect is running the ball with Tony Pollard. That if they would have run the ball last week instead of throwing it, they probably would beat the Jaguars. But they they wanted to go out there and try to get all fancy, throw the ball over the field, and Dak Prescott doing what Dak Prescott does is turning the ball over. Um, you know, if if you can rattle, if you can get after Prescott, force him to throw the ball quicker than he wants to. If you can rattle him, hit him, he's gonna throw you the football. I think it's since week nine, or I forget what the week is. He leads the league in interceptions, so he'll throw you the football. He'll give it to you. So, but it's also Zeke, uh, Zeke Elliott tends to find the fountain of youth against us. So, the, the run defense is going to have to continue to to be a strength. Um, you know, we're not we're not facing Justin Fields this week, so we don't. Have, and you mentioned it, how Prescott is able to move. You know, he he's got movability in the um, movability in the pocket, but he's not. Justin Fields, where he's going to be running for, you know, 40, 50 yards down the field. So if, if you know, and Dominican Sue, Linvel Joseph, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, um, you know, Jordan Davis, when he gets in there, Milton Williams, if they're able to stuff up, stuff, stuff it up the middle and, and not allow Dallas to get the running game going so that they can go play action. So if they go play action, that's where CeeDee Lamb can beat you. That's where Dalton Schultz can beat you. That's where, you know, Mount um, Michael Gallup can beat you. And if the Eagles can stop the run and, and force them to kind of get one dimensional, they have a good shot of winning this game. Yeah. And I mean, you talked about, uh, you talked about Dak Prescott and turning the ball over. He obviously played week one and then he missed those few games. And then he came back week seven since week seven in two, four, six, eight games. He only has two games where he doesn't have an interception. And in, then he has a game of one interception, two interception. And in the last four straight Two interceptions, one interception, two interceptions, two interceptions. So it is, it's pretty rough. Over the last four weeks, he's averaging almost two interceptions a game, which is huge. But like you said, this can be a potent offense because in that same time, in that same time frame, he has two games where he has one touchdown, all other games he has two or three touchdowns. So it can be a po and that's only passing touchdowns. That's not even talking about Tony Pollard. That's not even talking about Zeke and that Russian uh, attack that's been extremely effective. I mean, Tony Pollard is having an amazing season tony pollard is the probably problem. yeah exactly tony pollard's probably making jerry jones regret that zeke elliott contract a lot because zeke is due a lot of money next year and it's a lot of dead money it's money they have to eat whether they release him whether they trade him whatever it is they're going to be stuck with a lot of that money so pollard and pollard's a free agent so he's really making them regret this decision with zeke and heaven to make and are going to make make this offseason very difficult for them to make a decision at the running back position if they can move on from zeke but this can be like you said this can be a very potent offense and you speak speak about rushing yards from dak he had 34 rushing yards in week eight Otherwise, he hasn't even gone over 25. So he hasn't been as effective on the ground as we've seen in the past. And he really hasn't been as effective on the ground ever since he broke his ankle the way he did. He did a little bit more last season, but it just doesn't seem like it seems like they wanted to go to Pollard and Zeke and they want to keep Dak in the pocket and throwing and to 
to all to great degrees is that's a good idea because he's the number two quarterback in com- completion percentage in a clean pocket. So why not keep try and keep that pocket clean, keep him in the pocket and making throws like that. But he, de- he is sitting. I think he's sixth in interceptable passes and in nine games, nine games, he's only three interceptable passes shy of his career high. And those career high years were in 16 games. He is a turnover-prone quarterback right now, and, you know, I don't know. So, you know, it took – Jerry paid Zeke before he paid – he paid Zeke and Amari Cooper before he paid Dak Prescott, and it felt like that they didn't want to pay Dak Prescott. And then, obviously, they saw how things went after his ankle injury, and that kind of was the the winning force, I guess, for for Prescott and forcing the hand of Jerry Jones to be able to, um, you know, to be able to get the contract that he got. So, you know – we're starting to see maybe why he was a fourth round quarterback. Is he good? Yeah, he's good. He's not great. Um, like I think he gets overhyped a lot by by especially by the national media because he's the quarterback of America's team, which is a bunch of BS. To 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 be to be fair, but um, yeah, we'll see. Like the the key is going to be able to you, you mentioned it win the turnover battle, and we have to stop the run because that's what Dallas is going to want to come out to do. But they're also like. I have a feeling they want to cheat. Remember the week seven, the week eighteen game last year, the COVID replacement game when we didn't play anybody in Dallas. Dak went out there through five touchdown passes, and and they were like, "Oh yeah, we did it because we wanted to fly high into the playoffs." What happened the next week? They lost to San Francisco. Like, I feel like that's how Dallas. Because you mentioned it, that the the Eagles games are like Dallas Super Bowls because they've been so irrelevant for the last twenty five years, not being able to get to the conference championship, winning three playoff games, that. They treat the Eagles games like like Super Bowl. So if they want to treat this like a Super Bowl, by means do it because we have bigger things to play for. Um, if this was a playoff game, we know Jalen Hurts would be playing. But since it's not a playoff game, you have three games left. You don't all you need to do is win one game. Um, you know, Mitchell should be able to win. If he has to play against the Saints, if he has to play the last three games, he should be able to win one. Um, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he went two and one in the in the final three. You know, the good thing for Minshew is he's got all the starters. You have the starting offensive line. You have the starting receivers, the starting running back. So this is, you know, there's no, well, you know, I played like this because of A, B, and C, I didn't, X, Y, and Z. I didn't have the starters. I had the backups against their starters. No, you have the starters with you, so it's time for you to go out there and prove it. And by all accounts, I mean, he had a, he's had a great week of practice. Um, the receivers, the, the, you know, the team is rallying around him. And, and this isn't a slight to Jalen, obviously, but it's just to show confidence in your backup quarterback. There's a reason why the Eagles prioritize backup quarterback, Nick Foles, Jeff Garcia. You know, they, they drafted Kevin Cobb, Michael Vick. Like they, and I hated Kevin Cobb too, so. But they prioritize the backup because they know it's important. If your starter goes down, you want to, you don't, you don't want excuses. You want to be able to win games with your backup quarterback. And that's why the Eagles made the trade last year for Gardner. Absolutely. I agree. Like at the end of the day, every single year, the backup quarterback position is proven more and more vital. And while some teams will go with, you know, the Chase Daniel of the world, who's a very high IQ quarterback, very good quarterback to have in your back pocket to help teach your, you know, teach your your starting quarterback the way the way of the land and the lay of the NFL. But when you see Chase Daniel go out there, you see a, a irrelevant backup quarterback, a backup quarterback who won't win you many, if any, games. And that's not what you want in Philadelphia. 
and sometimes we hate it because it creates, you know, that volatility, but maybe having that volatility was good for us because it's what proved to get Carson Wentz out of town. But that volatility in the locker room, as long as you just rally around, but don't create a volatility. And I don't see that with Jalen Hurts. I don't see that with Gardner Minshew. I see a team with an amazing culture. I know Gardner did go into Sirianni's office last year and say, I want to be the starter. What do I have to do? He, so, did, he did, he did, but at the end of the day, I think like it's huge to see that they're rallying around him and they're rallying around him in a way that's a very positive culture. And Gardner Minshew, any quarterback's going to want to be a starter, but at the end of the day, I think Gardner Minshew is probably more than accepting that, you know, he's probably a backup and he's loving life. He's going to get paid this offseason because he's going to go and be a backup somewhere. And backup quarterbacks are getting five to $10 million with ease right now because look at the situations in San Francisco. Look at the situation right now in philadelphia look at baltimore look at all these situations where teams have been forced to arizona even look at all these situations where teams have been forced to pivot to their backup quarterbacks and are struggling or had a chance and as soon as they went to the backup quarterback things are falling apart it's so important to have those backup quarterbacks and i think it's great that the team's rallying and i think the team's rallying for a greater cause we're having a humongous season we're having a great season what by all accounts i mean the national media was pumping us up. And on this podcast at the beginning of the season, we were kind of saying, well, maybe slow the brakes. We haven't really seen this football team all together on a football field. I guess we were wrong on that front. Maybe this, maybe the national media was a hundred percent right. And we're way ahead in this rebuild, this retool. And while there's a lot of bit tough decisions to be made this off season, there's a reason how he's waiting for the end of the season. He wants to see who his big playmakers are, who his core difference makers are. And he wants to see what he's got to go to the table for with Jalen Hurts and what's going to come of that contract. So I think everybody's rallying for a bigger cause. A lot of these guys won't be here next year. This is a really good chance, a really good team to go out there and maybe, maybe, knock on wood, maybe I'll whisper it, a Super Bowl. So, Yeah, I mean, the, the NFC is for the taking this year. And then obviously the two two best teams are, are in the NFC East. Um, San Francisco has as a stake for the, the number two team in the conference right now. Minnesota's around there, even though they got smoked by both the Eagles and the Cowboys. So uh, we'll see. What are your thoughts on, you know, there's that sentiment that you can't beat three teams in a, in a season, or you can't beat a team three times in a season. The Eagles beat Dallas earlier. They have them tomorrow and the potential of facing them in the divisional round. Does that bother you at all? Or if the Eagles are better, they're just better. And we don't take any account into the whole, you can't beat a team three times in one season. I don't really put a whole lot of stock into that. I think like that's a mental thing and it all plays into your game mentally and especially divisional games. Like I get it. If you're able to win this game and then you meet them in the playoffs, I mean, I'm going to sit there on the edge of my seat. I'm going to, I even I'll be on the edge of my seat tomorrow, but in the playoffs, I would be on the edge of my seat. I'd probably be standing up the whole game because I just wouldn't be able to sit down knowing that we're going up against Dallas for a third time. This isn't Washington or the New York giants. Dallas, like you, you, you did, you didn't mention them as having a stake at being the second or third, second best team in the NFC, but they definitely could be. Oh, if I, did. The tur- I did. I had if, them up there. Okay. Okay. If the, if the turnovers kind of go away and they just, and the offense is just tick clicking the way it needs to, and the defense is continuing to make uh, quarterbacks nights that live in hell, then they can easily be up there and in the conversation. Although it's very hard, I think, at this point to usurp Philadelphia or San Francisco because San Francisco's defense is absolutely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, 
I don't put any stock into that. I think that's a mental game. I think if you have played, if this is a third time, you have tons of tape on these teams and you just have to make a really good play game plan, uh, near flawless game plan. And I think that's the thing that concerns me the most about facing a team for a third time this season is a prospect that we've seen Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen really drop the ball sometimes in game planning. And that would be my biggest concern, not necessarily, oh, we're playing for the third time. It would be the game plan aspect. Well, I think that the the saving grace for Sirianni and um, Steichen is you'll you'll have a different you've had a different you'll have had a different quarterback the first two games, and presumably have Jalen Hurts in the playoff game. So, like, what game plan would they come out with? Like, obviously, you have that Jalen Hurts game plan where they were able to have Micah Parsons on skates. They ran right at him. They they did all their bootlegs right to him and forcing him to. Are you going to cover somebody? Are you going to go after Jalen? And 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 that's going to be the different. Uh, a kind of a different thing that we might not see tomorrow because you're not going to presumably not do stuff like that with, with Gardner Minshew. So that, you know, while he's not going to be, he's not a Tom Brady. I'm going to be at this spot every time Gardner can move around a little bit, but that that's an easier track for Demarcus Lawrence, for Micah Parsons, for Dorrance Armstrong to, to be able to go after the quarterback and try to get sacks. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think you that you hit it with that. It is a saving grace to have a second quarterback in between, although they do still have the game, the film to go back on with with Jalen Hurts in that first game. Although I do think the game plan again in that matchup is probably completely different because, you know, on the other side of the football, it was Cooper Rush. And at one point, Lane Johnson went down. So flip to the, this next game, you're going to probably play in a very differently offensively and defensively for a Dak Prescott. So it, it definitely is a saving grace that you're kind of seeing like potentially three different teams and three different strategies if you're the Dallas Cowboys up against Philadelphia Eagles for a third time. Yep. All right. So before we get to our prediction, let's go over our key. Um, we kind of went over keys, but the players to watch on the offensive and defensive side of the football for the Eagles. So defensively, Dak Prescott ranks 19th in deep ball completion and 28th in pressured completion percentage. There's a lot of guys I would really like to name as players to watch and matchups to watch, but it's going to have to be Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick generating pressure up front and it's gonna have to be the cornerbacks being able to keep their guys in check and this is not one and I hate it because I know Gannon's gonna probably plan it this way. This is a game where Gannon can't play the guys five, 10 yards off. They really have to play up there and really allow the pass rush to get home because those are a couple things. He's not very good with the deep ball. So once you get 10, 15, 20 yards down the field, your defense can be a lot more effective. And if there's that opportunity that they play up on the guys or they play more aggressive on the cornerback or on the wide receivers and the they can get home, he's actually even less effective when he's throwing a pressured ball. And like you said, we've talked about the turnovers and stuff. It's hard to pinpoint one person, but it's got to be a full defensive effort. Like you can't just have the front four having a game, but 
passes being completed all over the place or the rush the russian defense not working out or whatever or the coverage blown you need all elements of the defense to be working extremely well but i think this is going to probably land more on the shoulders of hassan reddick and josh sweat to continue leading the way one one is a, what is it uh reddick's got 12 and a half sacks and sweat has 10 that needs to continue rolling they need to continue to be in dak prescott's face all night and force him to throw some pressure to, uh passes because i think those are the passes where he makes those interceptable passes it's where he throws his interceptions a lot um i think there was a lot of pressure on him in that uh on that throw that last throw in the jacksonville game if i remember it correctly the pocket was collapsing collapsing pressure was coming so i think it's gonna land and i feel like we pick one of these guys every week but i think it's gonna land on the shoulders of sweat and reddick to get home or at least make every or as many throws as possible pressure I'm going to go with Slay and Bradbury. Bradbury because he got snubbed from the Pro Bowl. And Slay's going to be going up against C.D. Lamb. And, you know, you talked about, you know, while Dak isn't very um, accurate when it comes to deep passes, Lamb, if he takes a short pass, he can make people miss and and take it to the house. So tackling by the secondary is going to be key. Um, But I think it's going to be up to to Slay and Bradbury if they're able to hold their own against the, the receivers on the outside, Lamb and Gallup. Um, if Washington plays, um, just being able to win those battles. And like you said, hopefully Gannon doesn't have them playing 10 yards off. You got to play up because you don't want to give short passes to Dak that will allow the receivers to make a man miss and, and take it down the field. So I'm going to go with uh, the secondary guys and slam Bradbury. Well, I like that you went that way because I feel like those are both all imp- all important and all encompassing the secondary and the front four, more, more importantly, the edge offensively i'm gonna go with miles sanders because i double checked the dallas cowboys defense russian defense isn't all that great they're allowing about 133 yards per game um which actually ranks in the bottom 10 of the league um pretty close to like that 10 range like that uh, 22nd 23rd range um but that's we also need to be able to establish the run to open things up for Gardner Minshew and allow him to be able to go deep if he's able to, to allow him to work the uh, zero to 10 part of the field with Dallas Goddard or with AJ Brown, creating opportunities for yards after the catch. But if we do not establish a run, it's it could look like the first half of that game against uh, Chicago that yet last week where it, we just weren't able to get a whole lot going and we had a quarterback who ended up with 17 carries and 22 for 37 on completion percentage and left with a sprained shoulder and we don't want that type of circumstance again you have to leverage against a team that is in the bottom half of the league against the rush you need to com- leverage Miles Sanders you need to rush him 17 times I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard. I know it's his first game back, and they might want to try to ease him in, but Goddard has has the opportunity, you know, no late in Van Der Esch. I don't think Anthony Barr can cover him. I don't know if one of the safeties, Donovan Wilson or J. Ron Kirsch, can cover him. So he should be able to to take advantage of the middle of the field, um, and he's going to be the the security blanket for Gardner Minshew. If, he's, if he needs to get rid of the football, if he's not able to hit a man downfield, get it to Dallas Goddard. We talk about how Goddard has – when he went out, he was the leader or one of the two leaders for yards after the catch. He's going to have to continue that too. He has a chance to make some plays with his legs, you know, catching the ball, getting getting downfield, putting the team in position to score points. So I'm going to go Dallas Goddard in his first game back in five weeks. Yep, first game in five weeks. Yep. All right. Prediction time. I'm with you too. I have no idea which way I'm going yet. No idea. <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm just going to say it, and, and I, I like – 
to be wrong in these circumstances and so far this season we've been hitting a lot more than missing because obviously we've been we've just been given so much reason to continue to pick them as the winning team but I'm I hate to do this but I'm going with Dallas but I think it's going to be a really close game I just think like at the end of the day we think it's going to be a defensive battle but I really think it's going to come down to the offenses and I really think we're going to both fan bases may sit there a little frustrated with the defenses, but at the end of the day, these are two very potent offenses. And if they're forced to go pound for pound and trying to get points, they're going to go out there and they're going to get those points. They're going to do they it's rare. You see in the NFL two potent offenses and it gets completely shut down because, and, and I don't think that that's going to happen today, not in this huge rivalry game and every, with every, all the stakes on the line. I put my, uh, I put my marbles in there with the, with the offense over the defense, as much as I love our defense. And as much as I think Dallas has some very good uh, components on their defense as well. Um, I think the score is going to be 38 to 35 for Dallas. I have a high scoring game. Yeah, I'm going 28-24 Eagles. And this is going to make – Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. The Dallas fans complained because we beat Dallas when they had Cooper Rush. After we beat Dallas with Gardner Minshew, what's the excuse now? The Eagles are just a better team. They're definitely better coach because Mike McCarthy's a buffoon. Um, make dumb mistakes. Um, Kellen Moore, the, the – uh, the glory boy, the guy that is supposed to be the next big head coach, he doesn't like to run the football, so he'll put Dak in a position to turn it over. And I just think Gardner Minshew, after his head coach, his college head coach passed away, he gave the eulogy on Tuesday, I think it was. He's going to play for Mike Leach, and he's going to come out slinging it. And I got the Eagles defeating the Cowboys 28-24 to clinch the NFC East, to clinch a first-round bye, and gives as much as I don't want – Hurts to have five weeks off in between games. Gives him much needed rest. He's not. He won't be forced to come back against the Saints or the Giants. And the Eagles have luck on around this Christmas time with backup quarterbacks against Dallas. Jeff Garcia. Um, who else was in there? I think AJ Feely might have been in there. Uh, Mike like the Kevin. Cop- the Eagles have luck when it comes up with backup quarterbacks against Dallas. Garner Minshew will be in the next line. The Eagles win 28-24 to improve the fourteen and one. I hope so. I absolutely hope I'm wrong. And you know what? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, whenever I've made a pick for a high scoring game, they've been a lot lower scoring. Whenever I pick low scoring, they're a lot more high scoring. So maybe we meet in the middle and I'm wrong on the team and I'm wrong on the score. And it's closer to what you said, LJ. I really do hope so. I, I do. We would we would love a Christmas miracle this season. Has that probably helped me lose about two or three years on my life? And I know the playoff run is going to make me lose about five or ten. So I would love this Christmas miracle of not having to worry about anything for like three or four weeks for the Philadelphia Eagles. Clinch this, get it over with, and let's look towards the playoffs. Let's look towards making sure everybody's healthy and good to go and making potentially, hopefully, a Super Bowl run. Let's hope so. Can't wait. Thanks. You, thanks. I know we we had an earlier show this week, and we'll probably have another earlier one next week as we go into the New Year's uh New Year's weekend, uh, but we appreciate everybody uh, joining us, dropping their comments. Um, obviously, we all want the Eagles to win and beat the, the fraudulent Arlington Cowboys. Um, before we go, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody. We hope you enjoy the time with your family. Stay safe where I'm living. It's snowing right now. 
That's why my yeah, internet it's made. pretty bad in the U.S. They're getting like we're getting rain up here and it's, a lot okay, of wind, so but it was it's a bad degrees, one. It was 50 degrees earlier in like an hour or two. It's gonna be in the teens. It's gonna get cold, and I like the cold, but like 18 degrees, <laughs> up like that. I don't know how I'm gonna feel, but um. Thank you all. Have Connor, you, have you seen it elsewhere though? Like, oh man, they're dealing with like negative temperatures. People are freezing. There's ice everywhere. It's wild. Yeah. So definitely, I mean, if you guys are over in like the Midwest or over in the Western United States where they're getting hit with the bomb really bad right now, definitely stay safe, stay warm, stay safe. Yes, sir. Thank you. And thanks Connor for everything. I mean, we've been doing this for a four or five years strong now, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to continuing this and hopefully we get a, uh, we get a Super Bowl at the end of this year. So as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Connor does a great job. I, maybe you might take a break tomorrow. It is, it is Christmas Eve. <laughs> it, the game really doesn't mean much, but it is it is Dallas week. So we'll we'll see uh, as, as Connor does a great job on keeping the Twitter updated uh, throughout the game. So for Connor, I'm LJ. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly Eagles fly. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Yeah.